Welcome to the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. Our goal is to serve and encourage you as you build a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. Join us now as we study the Word of God together in this week's episode. I'm excited about tonight, just to give you a little intro. Um, tonight we're going to be finishing up the song, uh, the Exodus 34, verses uh, 6 through 7. Well, we're going to be finishing up verse 6. Tonight we're going to be talking about God's faithfulness. Um, some translations say truth. Mine says truth. We're going to get into that. But I'm really excited because... Uh, as I've been studying this and studying the Old Testament and how God first explains that he's faithful and as he goes through things, um, well, let's pray and then we'll get into it because I'm going to get ahead of myself. So, Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we thank you for what your word says. We thank you that we get to be people of both your presence and your word. Um, I thank you for what you're doing here, what you're teaching us, and we just love you. We thank you that you are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, Exodus 34, verse 6, at this point, uh, I don't need a Bible to read it. Uh, the Lord passed Moses by and said, The Lord, the Lord is compassionate. He is gracious. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in steadfast love. And he is faithful, keeping uh, loving kindness for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, who by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity uh, of fathers on their children and their children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Um, So tonight we're going to talk about faithfulness. If you have the same translation that Jonathan and I do, which is the modern English, that word there isn't transferred, translated faithful, it's translated truth. And there's a reason for that. We're going to get into that. So in the Hebrew, if you like the Strong's, the word for faithfulness here is emet. And it is H571. It is often translated as truth and as a as a verb, it can mean trust or faith. Um, it also, it, there's, a, there's a large family of this word. This is, this is the root word, but it has many, many, many offshoots. All of them having to do with the aspect of faith, faithfulness, being faith-filled, being trust, having trust, being truthful, and being trustworthy which I love. So you could also translate, as you read this verse, the Lord is compassionate, he's gracious, he's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, that uh, chesad that we talked about uh, about two months ago, right? Great, I mean, man, I love that word. But 
you could end it with and being trustworthy rather than just saying faithful. Um, this, this word encompasses a lot of what the Christian life is because uh, when, we, when we're trusting God or we're deeming him trustworthy, um, I mean, when we think about defining Christianity, what do we think about? We, we say that God is trustworthy. What happened in the Bible is true, right? We believe it. We believe that Jesus is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He was born a virgin, died after three days, was resurrected, died for our sins after three days, was resurrected, uh, put his blood on the mercy seat in heaven, right? Um, came back, taught for another like 500 days or so, and, or was it 120? I can't remember. I get some of the numbers mixed up, but then he ascended and he's sitting at the right hand of Father and he's supposed, uh, of the Father and he's supposed to come again. When we say that we believe that or we have faith in that, we're saying that God is trustworthy, that everything that's recorded in Scripture is trustworthy. It is true. Um, yet trust, both in God and in humans, is a concept that a lot of us struggle with. You know? I mean, can we honestly name three people that we would consider truly trustworthy that we can share our entire life with, our entire being with? Can we be that honest with three people? I don't even know if many of us can be honest with one person in that way. I mean, I'm, I've been married for six years and I'm still having trouble being that, that honest about things, if I'm being honest. It's one of the reasons why I'm going to therapy is to work on some of that stuff because the way I was raised, I wasn't raised to be that way, you know? Um, but God has a better word. He, he has a better promise for us. And so we have to go through this process of sanctification to get to that point to where we not just believe that or have faith in that, you know, that we don't just emit that, but that we, we, uh, we really believe that it's true. Um, so as we explore this topic tonight, uh, I, I want to I ask you guys a couple questions before we really get into the meat and potatoes. Uh, what does it mean to you that God is trustworthy? What does it look like to trust or have faith in God? And how important is this concept anyway? Because I think a lot of the times when we talk about faith, having faith in God, um, I don't think we really ask those hard questions. Because our westernized concept of faith, not the Eastern, you know, Near Eastern Judaism idea of faith, but our Western concept of faith is almost like a wishful thinking. You know, it's, it's faith despite of logic. It's faith in spite of logic. It's faith without proof, you know. Oh, we'll just believe, you know. I, I like, I'll be honest, I, I, I've seen a lot of redemption in the way that I think about the word of faith, but growing up and going to a word of faith Bible college, faith was such a pivotal thing that they taught on. And in a lot of charismatic circles, it's such a pivotal thing that they teach on, but they don't show you really what it means from the original language that it came from. They're, they're, they're trying to teach you what it means from a, from a Greek mindset. And even though the New Testament was written in Greek, it wasn't written by Greeks. It was written by Jews. And so when they're talking about faith, they don't just mean faith in the Greek way. They're talking about faith in what they grew up in, which is Jewish concepts, you know. 
So when we talk about faith, or when we talk about this word faith, emet, it is translated as faithfulness in Psalm 36. Um, let's jump around a little bit. We're going to go into the Psalms. This is good. It'll give my new Bible a workout. It's brand new, so it all sticks together, you know? It's a nice feeling, nice smell. I really like the way that new Bibles feel and smell. Is that weird? It's probably a little weird. I'm sorry if that's weird. Um, but I like I like breaking them in, you know? It's like it's like a new pair of sneakers. Yeah. For sports people. If you're not a sports person, you probably don't get that either. It's okay. All right, so in Psalm 36, verses 5 through 6, um, the word is translated faithfulness. It says, Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and your faithfulness, your emet, reaches to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the great mountains, and your judgments like the great deep. O Lord, you preserve man and beast. David here is describing God's emet, his faithfulness, that it's it's such an encompassing concept to him that it doesn't just, it's not just something that's earth, earthly or corporeal. It is something that reaches towards the heavens, and he has so much faith in it that he knows that God preserves both man and beast. Isn't that interesting? I want you to I want you to see I want you to see a theme here. God, God is directly taking, or David is directly taking God's faithfulness, and he's saying that there's proof of it. He's saying that God is a met, he's trustworthy because there's proof of it. He knows that there's proof of it because he sees how God preserves man and beast, right? Um, it can be translated as faithful. Uh, well, let's, let's do a different one real quick. It can be translated as sure. If we go to uh, Psalm 19, verse 7. Five through six. Um, and now we're going to go to Psalm 19, verse 7. It says, The law of God is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is amet, making wise the simple. The testimony of the Lord is sure, right? It is matter of fact. There's proof of it, right? Isn't that interesting? Um, let's go to Psalm 41, verse 13. Here, <laughs> you're like this. 41, verse 13 says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. Amet and Amet. Amen and Amen. Have you ever heard that Amen means let it be so or, or that's true? It's rooted in the word Amet. Amet and Amet. You know? Um, and then can also be translated as faithful. Let's go to let's go to Proverbs 27. <coughs> And, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Proverbs 
Emet are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a, fan, of a friend. Why? Because your friends, when they hurt you, you know it to be true. You are hurt. <laughs> no one can hurt you like your friends, right? You're faithful. So when we look at this word emet and the family of words that is the basis, basis uh, for this word and for the word faithful, trustworthy, true, and things like that, um, these words are used uh, 329 times throughout the, throughout the Old Testament. Really big concept, right? The concept of faithfulness is important to God. It is his character to be faithful. Remember, we're talking about God's character. Um, and that isn't just seen in Jesus in the New Testament, but we see Jesus be faithful in the New Testament, right? But the way that Jesus revealed faithful in the New Testament is all based on what happens in the Old. We have to gain an understanding of the Old Testament in order to understand why Jesus is doing the things that he does in the New Testament. And truthfully, I've heard uh, some people preach that the Jews didn't have a great understanding of the character of God, and that's not true because the entire concept of who Jesus was is pre-foretold in the Old Testament. I would argue that the Jews have a greater concept of who God is than we do because of how they're brought up in it and what the words mean. Because you have to keep in mind, when we talk about Jesus and we know all other religions are false and that there aren't any other gods. We're saying that from a westernized mindset. But the Jews saw that God was working against all the other false gods. They didn't believe that there weren't any other gods. In fact, the Bible uses the word Elohim a lot to describe demons and angels and a lot of things. They're just spiritual beings that other cultures worshipped. And so this isn't just one of those things where they're saying that God is faithful and that there's no proof from it. They're saying that he's faithful because he, they have seen what God has done to protect them from other cultures and other uh, godly, little g, activities from these other lowercase g gods or Elohim, depending on what translation you're reading, right? So um, this, this is important to God. He's saying, I'm faithful. I will continue to be faithful. In fact, in either first or I think it's second Timothy, it says that God is faithful even when we're faithless because he can't reject himself, right? And he made this covenant and he's going to stay faithful to it because he made it with himself at, with, you know, in the, in the days of Abraham, when he walked through the fire and the blood by himself, you know, as the torch and the lamp, he's faithful to himself. He can't reject himself in that way. Um, which is just another thing entirely. We won't get onto that tangent. But so when we, when we look at this word, we look at common translations of this word and definitions. We see that this family of word, uh, this, this word family includes things like truthfulness or being trustworthy, being truthful, being true, trust, uh, consistency, <laughs> constancy, faithful, faithfulness, steadfastness, honesty is a big one. Surely, sure, indeed, truly, and last but not least, a firm agreement. Isn't that interesting? This doesn't just mean this like out there concept of, oh, I have to believe even though I don't have proof for anything. God is saying that you believe because you have proof. You believe because I've proven myself. Um... And this is just a radical understanding to me. It has been uh, as I've studied it out because, again, like some of the faith teachings that I've been under, 
they don't talk about how God is true. They just say, believe because it's in the word and that's all you need. And it's like, that's a great like one-liner quote, but you're going to have to expand it for people to actually believe, right? You can't just say one-liners and expect everybody to get it all at once. Not everybody's at the same level of faith. And so when we talk about God being faithful and how we need to have faith, we have faith. We're trusting God because we trust that God is true. How do we know he's true? We look for it. How do we know to trust him? We look for reasons to trust him. It's not just um, because I, I know that like, especially here in the West, we don't see as much as, of the miraculous as they do in Africa or in Asia or even in South America, because in those places, witch doctors still exist, demo- heavy, heavy, heavy demonic activity still exists. Um, and so they see it. We are... Uh, <laughs> I don't want to say that they're they're privileged to see it because I, I don't know if seeing all that stuff all the time is I mean it can be really radical, but when we when we think about us in, in the West, we talk about how much privilege the West has. I, I honestly think we're at a disadvantage because we don't get to see the miraculous all the time. And so we honestly have to go looking for it. We have to go looking for reasons to see that God is true and trustworthy. We have to let the Holy Spirit lead us to those places. You know, because maybe we don't see a radical deliverance or, or like experience a radical deliverance of something. Maybe it's just a here, you know, maybe it's just a deliverance of emotions. Maybe it's going to therapy and having that cry, you know. Um, but that's still God being trustworthy and true because he's helping you heal. Amen. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, on that line, on that note, you know, I think uh, when you think about... Uh, Realizing that God is trustworthy, I think it's as you build a relationship with God through his word and you start to see some of the things he talks about and, and some of his promises and you uh, seem to be true in your life, and that, that that will compel me to, to believe that his word is true and, he, and, and that will help me gain understanding of, of, of God being truthful. Right. To, yeah. That's tangible stuff. You know, you have yeah. to recognize even a small, small blessing. Like mm-hmm. she mentioned something small that's singing a song with the Bible and just overcame her whole demeanor. Yeah. You know, that means God is true to faith. It's a, yeah. it's a faith walk. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. And it's something that we build to, you know. Yeah. I'm not expecting to, to show you guys all this and us all of a sudden be completely 100% trustworthy of God, like all in the night. You know, yeah. it takes. Excuse me. It takes time. It takes that building of relationship. When you think about your spouse or or your brother and sister in Christ, you you learn to trust them because they've proven themselves to be trustworthy and true. Um, and so we can look at we can look at the Bible and we can look at our own lives and we can say that God is that too. But we have to take the time. That's one of the reasons. Again, like. I want us to share more testimonies and I want us to be more excited about them because sometimes I feel like it's like, oh, well, should I share? Should I not share? Like, no, I want you to share. Yeah. Your testimony is the spirit of prophecy. Come on. Your testimony is showing that everyone else in the room that God is true and he's faithful and they can learn to trust him too. It's, yeah. it's, it's empowering, right? And when we neglect sharing that, then we're, we're not only doing ourselves a disservice because it's almost as if we're saying that we don't trust God to be true. That our testimony has no power. And that's like a complete contradiction of scripture. That's like spitting in the face of God almost because he says, go share it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's how we make disciples is sharing our stories. Um, and, and there's power in it. 
It's, it's prophetic to share our testimonies, even the smallest of ones, right? Um, it doesn't have to be, you know, a big thing, but it's still, it's still a good thing because we're teaching each other <laughs> because we're teaching each other that God is trustworthy and at the end of the day if God is not trustworthy then what basis do we have of our faith why do we believe what we believe why do you believe that God is trustworthy what did he do for you today what did he do for you this week what did he do for you this month why is he trustworthy right so um, amet can mean both truth and trustworthiness or faithfulness because these are related concepts. Um, so this, this, this concept in Exodus 34, 6 can sometimes be translated as God is full of truth. Like in my, my version of the Bible, the, the modern English, which is what I'm teaching from tonight, not always what I teach from, but this is what I'm teaching from tonight. At the end, it said that God is full of goodness and truth. God is full of truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Why is he the truth? Amet, right? Um, modern notions of the truth can oftentimes be more geared to scientific truths and principles. Um, but amet can function in this way as well. If we go to, uh, let's go to Genesis 42, verse 16. Uh, we're only going to look at this one. I have two examples of this. The second one, if you want to write it down and look at it later, is in 1 Kings 10. Specifically, it's verse 6, but you might want to read the whole chapter and or previous chapters and after chapters to understand the context. What did I say? 42.16. So um, in context, this is Joseph Joseph, um, and his brothers. He is accusing his brothers of being spies here. Uh, and in verse 16, he says, Send one of you and let him get your brother, and you will be kept in prison so that your words may be tested, whether or not there is any amet in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, you are surely spies. So when we're looking at these concepts of truth, scientific truth, right, or principles of this, uh, we're looking for the truth to be made known, right? That's what science says that it does. That's what science says that it does. Is it's constantly looking for the truth in situations. In this instance, uh, it's not necessarily science that Joseph is looking after, but it's the same concept. He's looking for the truth in his brothers. He's looking for them to make sure, he's looking to make sure that they are true, you know, um, because he just accused them of being spies and, and other things, you know, planting the, the golden goblet in one of his brother's bags and things like that. Um, as he set him up, but he's the, the concept of the word in this verse is the same, looking for that same kind of truth, right? Um, so to say that Abba is full of a met doesn't just mean that God tells the truth or stands for truth. It means that God is faithful and worthy of being trusted. Does that make sense? Um, <clears throat> let's go to Genesis 24 since we're already here. 24 verse 27 is what I want to look at. 
wrong way. Um, <clears throat> so it says in verse 27, um, and he said, blessed be the Lord God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his mer mercy and his truth towards my master. As for me, the Lord has led me to the house of my master's relatives. This is Abraham's servant going to seek out a wife for Isaac. And he said that there will be, Abraham is basically like, hey, go into this country. Uh, my uncle's family is there. Um, he's probably going to have a daughter uh, or something there for my, my son to marry. Um, I say for something like it's not a daughter, but definitely a daughter, uh, you know. And uh, so in, in context of this, the, this servant um, is looking for God to be trustworthy and true. He's looking for the truth to be made known again. And, and he goes out and he finds, um, finds exactly what he's looking for. And he, he even says, Lord, if this is the house that I'm looking for, let this woman come see me and actually come offer me a drink. And what happens? The servant actually comes, sees him, and offers him a drink. And that's how he knows that he's trustworthy and true. Right? Um, if we go to Psalm 69, verse 13. Flipping through the Bible. Um, 69 verse 13 says, but as for me, my prayer is to you, O Lord, and in an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your mercy, answer me in the amet of your salvation, in the truth of your salvation, in the trustworthiness of what you do. Um, the word amet can carry the idea of reliability and stability. <laughs> In Exodus 17, when Moses, when Israel is going to war, um, after they've just gotten out of out of Egypt, right? They're fighting the Amalekites, and in verses 11 and 12 of Exodus 17, it says, "Now when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, but when he let them down, Amalek, Amalek, Amalek prevailed." There we go. But Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were amet until, he was go until the going down of the sun. His hands were steady. So when we talk about God's character and his amet, his faithfulness, he's steady. He's consistent. We're the ones that aren't. <laughs> right? Um, Amet also brings with it the idea of constancy and security or consistency. We go to Isaiah 39. Who was it that told me they were reading Isaiah recently? Was it you, Becca? No. No? It was Jasmine. It was Jasmine. You're right. I've also been reading Isaiah, so this was cool to find as I've been reading it. 
My wife is reading Isaiah, so if you guys are reading Isaiah too, we can start an Isaiah club. Um, <laughs> so Isaiah 39, verse 8 says, Then Hezekiah said to Isaiah, The word of the Lord for which you have spoken is good. For he said, For there are day, for there shall be peace and a met in my days. There shall be peace and truth in my days. Some translations say that there uh, shall be peace and security in my days. Maybe one of you guys has one of those translations where it says security. You do, Danny? What translation are you reading from? ESV. ESV? All right, so security. What's something that most of America is looking for right now? Security. security. <laughs> Not in the sense of like they want to make sure their house is protected. I mean, sort of. Like, because security is kind of all, is, is a very encompassing word, right? We're not just talking about security from burglars or from someone who likes to kill, steal, or destroy, right? Um, in this day and age, we're looking for medical security. We want to make sure we're taken care of. We're looking for health care. We're looking for, to be protected against COVID. Well, who offers the best security for that? The best amet. He offers the best Amet because he is Amet. Right? Uh, so, in the case of Moses and in the days of Hezekiah, Abba's character is also described as stable and constant. He's steady, reliable, independent. Um, and this is one of the reasons why he is called a rock in so many places in the Bible. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4 being one of those main places. It's probably the first place that I think he's called a rock. Um, <clears throat> flipping through the Bible again. Back and forth and back and forth. How many of you guys feel like you know the Bible a little bit better after hearing me teach about things before? I, because I tell you guys to flip-flop through it so often? If you don't and you're just annoyed with me, that's okay, too. <laughs> um, so it says, uh, starting in verse 3 of, of Deuteronomy 32, it says, For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are just. He is a God of amet and without injustice, righteousness and upright is he. He is a God of faithfulness. Right? So even in this section where he's described as a rock, as being someone who's faithful and trustworthy, steady, secure, the word amet shows up again. I like that. God does what he says he will do, and he is always consistent with his character. Because his faithfulness is the last word described in the five attributes of God in Exodus 34, verse 6, where we started, it has the effect of declaring that all the previous attributes of God will endure. Why? Because he is faithful forever. He is a met forever. It isn't just him saying, I'm faithful. It is him saying, all these things are true and will be true forever. I will back all these other attributes of myself up because I am a met. I am a met. I'm faithful. I'm trustworthy. And because of that, all these other things will be backed up. It is, it is the stamp, it is the seal of his character when it comes to all these other attributes and all these other aspects. 
Does that make sense? I think that's really cool and that's really powerful. Um, so, <clears throat> God is full of faithfulness in the sense that we can count on the consistency of his revealed character. Remember when we first started talking about the character of God and, and Abba Father and praying in the name of Jesus? We pray in the name of Jesus, not because Jesus is a magic word or a magic name. It's because we have faith in his character. When we're saying in Jesus' name, we're saying in, in my belief or in the faith of the aspects of who God is and what he said he will do, I am praying this way. When, when, uh, when we say don't take the Lord's name in vain, it's one of the Ten Commandments, right? When we, when we take the name's Lord in vain, it doesn't just mean saying, you know, it doesn't just mean saying, don't say, God damn this thing. Because there are things that God will damn and wants to damn. That's not, say, that's not taking his name in vain. Taking his name in vain is means understanding what his name means and how his name backs up his character and then not believing it or not doing anything about it. It's like saying, oh, God's name is Jehovah Rapha and then not believing in healing. It's like saying, oh, God's name is Jehovah Nisi, God, or Jehovah Jireh, God is my provider, but not believing that he's going to provide. That is taking the Lord's name in vain. Amen. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It also means can it also mean like you're not representing his character and nature it can. as a Christian? It can, yeah. Or even an Israelite at the time? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because keep in mind, God wanted Israel to be a nation of priests, and a priest is supposed to represent their God well. We are called a kingdom of priests now, so we are supposed to represent our God well. Does that make sense? Yeah. We don't always... Again, Western thinking versus Jewish thinking. We don't understand what it means to be a priest anymore because we don't understand what that function really is. So we just, a lot of times, just think, oh, well, I can just be an, an unfaithful believer. Show up every once in a while, be a Christer Christian, show up on Christmas and, Sun and Easter Sundays for church, and that's it. But that's like, that's not being a met the way that God is a met. That's not being a priest the way that God wants us to be a priest. Does that make sense? So, God is trustworthy because of his faithfulness. And the trust that we place in him, our faith, is not something that's blind. It's something, because um, sometimes the modern notions of trust or faith involve this belief in something despite the evidence or what we would call blind trust. That's not what God is asking us to do, right? Um, this, is, this is a biblical notion, to trust because there's proof. Biblical trust is inherently connected to the, to the trustworthiness or the faithfulness of God and relies on the evidence of that trustworthiness. It means to be shown, it means shown to be true um, or be verified. You know, when we were looking at Exodus 42, or Genesis 42, I'm sorry. Um, when, when, when Joseph is saying, oh, well, if your word is true, is it, it's how do you know it's true? He has to verify it, right? How do we know that God is true and trustworthy? Well, we can verify it, not just with Scripture. I mean, this is probably the most, one of the most, if not the most important way that we verify that God is true and trustworthy. But it teaches us to look at our own lives and verify where he's been truthful and trustworthy to us in our own lives. Does that make sense? So God offers evidence 
to help people believe. If we if we go to Exodus four. at verses 8 through 9 it says if they will not believe you nor listen to the voice of the first sign then they may believe the voice of the latter sign if they will not believe also these two signs or listen to your voice then you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land and the water which you shall take out of the river will become blood on the dry land this is the first time that God is really showing us his faithfulness and saying, hey, you can trust that I'm true because this is the evidence. Um, Have you guys ever heard someone take that verse where the Pharisees are like, Jesus, if these all these things are true, then give us a sign. And Jesus says, no, you wicked and perverse generation, you do not deserve a sign. You'll not get a sign. If you continue to look for a sign, you you'll be, you know, you'll you'll be sent to hell. Where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why does he say that? In context, if you read that verse in context, and I don't remember exactly where it is right now, but if I'm wrong, and I want to challenge you guys to go look and prove me wrong, if I'm wrong, then come back and talk to me. But in the context, Jesus had just performed a miracle in front of them, and they were asking for another one. Yeah. What's amazing to me is that when we ask for miracles, when we really ask him out of a desperation for him to prove his character, not from a place of unbelief, but just just from a place of like, God, help! I believe, help my unbelief. I want to believe. When we ask him for those things from that place, even if they're from a broken place such as that, he proves himself. He provides the miracle. But when we've already seen the miracle and we still choose not to believe and we ask for another one, that's when he stops showing up because he's like, look, I already gave you something. Trust that I'm going to give you another one. Don't, don't, don't ask for the same exact miracle twice because I gave it to you and you didn't take it. Does that make sense? Like, like he's, that, he's that trustworthy. He wants to show us where the miraculous is in our lives, but we have to ask him. He wants to show us where he's trustworthy, where he's true, but we have to, we have to be searching for it. We have to be looking. It's not that he doesn't want to give us a miracle. It's that he's given us many and we've chosen not to believe. What's the greatest miracle that he gave us? The birth, death, resurrection, ascension, and the coming promise of his son coming back. Yes. Come on. If we don't believe that, we don't, as Christians, when we say that we're Christians, then we don't deserve another miracle. We need to wrap our minds around that first. Because that is the gospel. The virgin birth, the death for our sins, the resurrection so we could become righteous with him the ascension so that we can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and the coming back to take back what is his. That is the gospel. If we miss any of those parts of the Bible, then we're not preaching the gospel. We're preaching something twisted in one way or another. We have to preach all those parts. If we do not believe that, that God is trustworthy and faithful in that, you know, then when we say, oh God, I need another miracle, why didn't you show up? He's saying, well, I already showed up. Don't pray from a place of, oh, I need another miracle, or that I wasn't faithful. Pray from a place of knowing that he is faithful and he will be faithful again. Does that make sense? All right. Um, Exodus 19, verse 9. This is my last scripture. Of the night. 19, verse 9. 
The Lord said to Moses, Indeed, I am going to come to you in a thick cloud so that the people may hear when I speak with you and always believe in you. Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. Again, this is God promising that he's going to show up so that people believe. A met to God, him being trustworthy, him being faithful, him being true, has evidence. So when he passed by Moses and he said, I'm a met, he wasn't just saying, have blind faith and believe me even if there's nothing there. He was saying, hey, remember all these times I showed up when I told you I was going to? I'm a met. I'm faithful, I'm true, I'm trustworthy. I'll continue to be there. I'm a covenant-keeping God. So, um, <clears throat> I, I want to ask you guys, I, I, I'm not necessarily looking for an open discussion because it's late. We got started a little late tonight. That's okay. Um, but something I want you guys to think about over the next week and next week, next week is the week that we come together and we pray for the community. And if the weather is okay enough, some of us guys are going to go out into these dangerous streets and walk around and see who we can pray for, right? So I want to test. I want. I want you guys to see God's faithfulness, and I want to challenge you. If you do not come next week with us with a testimony to share of God's faithfulness, why? I want you guys to be looking for how faithful he is and not be ashamed of what he's doing in your life because that shame will hinder you from, from being the priest and the son or daughter that God wants you to be, right? So I want to ask you guys, where has Abba shown himself a met to you in your life? Where has he shown himself to be a met to you in this last week? Where has he shown himself to be a met to? Where will he show himself faithful next week? In this coming week? What reasons has he given you to trust him? I don't think that that's something we think about often because we're so worried about what we need. And I think God wants to take us off what we think we need because really what we need is him and he'll provide the rest. So what reasons has he given you to trust him? And how, what, how has he proven himself to be true and trustworthy to you? I don't, look, I, I don't want us to just come with blind faith. But we go out to some of these people out in this community with blind faith, especially the addicts and the people that like are actively looking for a reason not to believe, they, they don't care what we say when we give them Bible verses. They need a reason to believe. That's why our testimonies are so important. That's why I love how Todd White shares because he starts with his testimony. I was shot at nine times directly. None of, the, none of the bullets touched me and God actively spoke to him. Are you ready to live for me now? I mean, the guy was right, it was right here, nine shots, didn't even pierce him. People can't deny that. People get curious about that. God proved himself to be a met to Todd, right? And he talks about that all the time. How has he proven himself to you? And my final question is, if you are ashamed of your testimony, why? Why? 
right? So I'm gonna pray. Um, I'm gonna pray. And then we'll do some announcements and we'll get out of here. So Abba, we come before you in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are a met. You are trustworthy. I thank you that you are compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, goodness and truth. Um, <laughs> we thank you for what you're doing here in Highland Park. We bless you. We bless Highland Park in the name of Jesus. I thank you that you are going to prove yourself to be faithful and true here. You already have. We thank you, we love you, and we give you all the honor and glory and praise in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Highland Park Community Church Podcast. We pray that you experienced the Holy Spirit in revelation and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. If you've been impacted by our ministry and would like to make a financial contribution or you'd like to partner with us to reach the Highland Park community, visit us at www.myhpcc.net. We'll see you next time.